Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Rhythm Session, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Coburn Blair. This week, Kyle and I are talking about Migos and their third album in the Culture Series. Gucci Mane's Ice Daddy and the new 1017, also very strong albums from local legend Tona and Young Clancy's Something Something Tape. We hope you enjoy it. If you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the show. So, Kyle, it's been a, a little bit since we've talked about some new music. We are catching up on a lot of great releases for the summer. How are you feeling about the music you're, you're hearing so far this summer? You know, a year into the pandemic or two years or whatever, however you want to calculate it. Um, do you think artists are kind of coming out now swinging? Is this what you're hearing? Yeah, I think, I mean, summer is uh, summer's the time, right? Like, summer's the time you want to be bringing it because, you know, everyone wants to try to make it you know, that memorable, put out that memorable release that people kind of associate with that time, especially given that we're going to be going, I think we're going to be getting out of this thing. And, you know, I think it's going to be a kind of a joyous situation. And, uh, you know, you want to have your music stamp for that. But I think there's a lot of really good music coming out and especially from the city. I mean, we always try to highlight what's happening here. I think, uh, again, today, more great stuff coming out, which is very encouraging. But, like, you know, you're starting to see the heavy hitters uh, start putting stuff together. Uh, I know that uh, we are going to be reviewing the Tyler, the Creator album that just dropped, uh, which is great. And uh, But we're going to be talking about that more. And I I think as, you know, we've had J. Cole. I think as we move on, we're going to be looking for those other big releases coming out. I know, uh, you know, Drake is looming large, although he's had his EP was fantastic. So I think, you know, we're waiting for more of these heavy hitters to come out. And I mean, we are the beneficiaries of this. I think, you know, we're still getting that um, pandemic music coming out. But it's I'm I'm here for it. I'm I'm loving what we're hearing. Where's Kendrick? When's when's that coming? I don't do know. Think I think I think it's drop announcement. I think it's surprise drop announcement. I think that is the uh, what is in vogue today, uh, if you will. And uh, I mean, it has worked for Tyler the Creator. He just dropped his, and there was just like boom, boom, it's out. Release track release, uh, you know, track listings, and then that's it. And I think that is going to be what it is because unless he's, re- to be very honest with you, unless he's releasing at the end of the year, then it's going to be quick. Because I think that rollout would start happening now. Because we're almost into July now. You know what I mean? So if there was going to be a long rollout, it would start beginning and we would start hearing inklings of it. But I think if it does happen, it's just going to be like, bang, it's out. Yeah. Uh, like I'm hoping for him. I'm, I'm kind of also maybe selfishly hoping for Frank Ocean this summer. Yeah, I mean, you always want some more Frank Ocean. Uh, it's always a thing when Frank Ocean is is putting out music, and uh, I think if we're seeing, you know, Drake, Fr- Frank Ocean, and Kendrick Lamar, that's pretty fucking good summer. That's like a pretty good, you know, that's awesome. That's that's a that's a that's a gift from the heavens, if you will. Because yeah, like you know, Blonde came out August of twenty sixteen. And I believe Channel Orange also was a summer drop, so I feel yeah. like he liked to drop around in and around the summer. But I don't know if there's anything you know necessarily there or coming. 
it's hard to tell because everything is so like cloaked in unless like there's like leaks i mean those happen obviously but everything's just generally been cloaked in secrecy i mean i think we're still gonna see an isaiah shot album coming out and but uh, i i think people are getting good at keeping these things close to the chest now yes i think you're right is there anyone else that you're hoping for music from this summer or you know anything that's gonna kind of shake things up more than we've seen or do you think you know based on what's announced and drake dropping that we have a pretty full slate yeah i you know what i'm i i, I would even uh, so the, i mean the rumor is that freddie gibbs i mean has been putting together an album with just i mean not so much a rumor as he's talking about it with like a really kind of stellar cast of producers so I mean, you know, he's talking about working with Kenny Beats, Mad Lib, um, Alchemist, and uh, I, I'm there for that, definitely, uh, if that's happening. So I'm hoping that is that is also going to drop. Uh, but, I mean, I think we're getting greedy at this point because we're asking for Drake. We're asking for uh, Kendrick. We're asking for Frank Ocean. We're asking for Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Rashad, and uh, that would be fucking fantastic. So it would be, I don't know. I, I don't like being greedy about these things, but I think in the last year we've seen so much awesome stuff come out that now we're just like, give us more, give us more. We are not entertained yet. Let's do it. Well, I think, too, you know, let's get into some of the music that we're going to talk about this week. And I think the first group I want to touch on kind of fits this bill as somebody, as a group of people who, you know, have been out of the spotlight a little bit, you know, maintain presence, but now, you know, return with another album that finishes up or you know is part of a trilogy at this point so let's talk talk about the migos and culture three so at this point where do you see the migos standing i'm going to ask a question uh for this particular talking point here what would you identify as migos's peak i think their peak is probably bad and bougie i believe they were featured on some late night shows around then uh, I think the song was used in an NFL awards or something, you know, in, in the, in that kind of realm. No, maybe it was the Emmys or something like that. Yeah. But somebody made a, a comment. It's, it's, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's Donald Glover. He was like, you know, they're the Beatles of this generation. I think also, uh, Amigo song was used in Atlanta. And I, I mean, that you're going to the bad and bougie. It sounds like we're talking culture, the first culture, which, for me is kind of what their peak would be uh because like i guess you could argue that it was almost you know yrn and like with like versace and like hannah montana and just because like how much that like really like got into the culture but yeah for me it's you know it's the first culture and you know, like they're trendsetters. They've got catchphrases. They've affected, especially popular culture. Cam Newton's fucking dabbing. You know, and I, I really think that w- once they hit, like, culture for me was like their high water mark of like because it's all mixed. It's a lot of mixtapes before that, and I think with culture, it's like they finally kind of put together that album that is an album and that is like a complete artistic effort. I'm not the biggest fan of Migos, but I can definitely, but culture I think would be objectively their best thing. So I think what they're trying to do is get back there and, and get back to that. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder, you know, if that is an attainable spot because 
with Amigos, I feel like, yes, they're influential to a certain degree, but they've kind of maximized what they can do and they've reached their ceiling. Um, and, you know, I think it's a good ceiling. I, you know, I think they make good music and I think, you know, they're kind of staying in that lane. And But I think they've maximized, you know, everything they, they can do and everything that, like, you you see them for. And I think, you know, their fans and people who like them um, are fine with that. And I think they don't need to be anything more than that. So I think a lot of the Migos are better than Beatles. That meme was, I think, really hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, you know, singling out, you know, Takeoff, Offset, all of them to kind of like be single acts, you know, we saw that kind of fail. It went really wrong. Uh, you pair them off with other people to do joint albums. That didn't work either. I think they're at their best when they're all together. But I also think their best is, you know, we've already passed their best. So when I get into this album, Culture 3, it's good. It's okay. It just sounds a lot like playlist music to me. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of stuff that like I'm going to return back to in the context of the album but there's, you know, two or three songs that, you know, that can live on, on playlists, and, and I enjoy a lot. There's a couple fucking things on it, for sure. 100%. But, yeah, I'm not, like, gonna be banging this album. I think when they put out Culture, they put out the album that I was, if the, I was gonna ever be consistently returning to Amigos' album, that would be the one. What did you think of Culture 2? I really didn't like Culture 2, to be honest with you. I think this is better than Culture 2. Like, I, I, I do believe that. I, I wasn't too big of a fan of Culture 2, but then it's like, also, you start getting into, like, uh, it's hard to, like, it's hard to release after your, out like, your your album, you know what I mean? The one that is, the, you know, kind of the, the fucking statement. So, I don't know how you're supposed to do that. I think it's difficult for, like, seminal artists to do that. So, I don't. I just think, like, the big thing with Migos is, is, like, what is their popularity predicated on? And this is why I sent you a text where it was, like, I think they're the TGI Fridays of hip-hop. Because it's, like, it's very, like, a lot, like, it's very, I'm not gonna say kitschy, but when, like... A song like Versace, which is like what really kind of people are like listening to that. It's infectious. Young kids fucking love it and all this kind of stuff. It's not a good song. Like it's not. It's objectively not whoa, good. Whoa, whoa, I, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you there, but I will let you finish your point. I just like. I would say like, how is it a, like? He's just kind of saying Versace. I think it's, it, hold on a second. I, it's, it's an effective song. It's not a good yeah. song. I mean, I think you know. Alone off the Drake verse, I love it. But I think this song for the rapid fire flows, the way that they kind of interconnect and they bounce off every word, it's very tactical from a you know bar side um, and from a, a group side and, and moving as a unit, like the way that everything is very interwoven. So I would say it is a good song. I get, I think, what you're trying to say in terms of like it being effective and not like great but i think it is a really good song and there's you know tactical there's work done there's some art form and there's some mastery there yeah i don't know for me it's tactical but i'm not always looking for tactics i'm looking for high level artistry so i like i don't know i don't i can't i couldn't that's why you're an olay fan i know i just can't I, i i i can't so like it just for me wasn't but like again, that's why I think culture is good because in culture, what they're able to do is is get above like just like 
What Versace does is it injects them right into popular culture. It's like a fucking bullet right through it. And it's, it's able to do that. And that's why it's effective. It's just, I think that it's just, I, you know what I, you know what I think it's fair to say? It's not for me, but I, I, I think think is, is is a fair thing. And like, you can, like, it's something that you can realize that, Hey, this is for somebody else. But I think though, like what ha- the whole thing, Migos is bigger, like is better than the Beatles when that whole meme was happening. I didn't, okay, I didn't defend it because obviously it's not like true. But if you start like thinking from like a pop culture psychological, because Donald Glover kind of he was like at the Emmys was like Migos is this generation's Beatles and people are like bah, because they immediately are like are you what is what what's their fucking what's their white album on this kind of shit and I'm like you're not getting it from a, a like an actual pop cultural standpoint look how big yeah. they are and look how they've injected themselves into the culture right because that's where Versace is completely effective it's yeah. like it, it, it's it's injects them into the into the cult into the culture. People are saying shit. Cam Newton's dabbing on fucking national television and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, who are acts that have attained that level of pop culture notoriety? Not a lot. And this is might be controversial. I wonder if they get there without Drake, without that feature. And I think yes, the Migos get there and they become a big pop cultural act and they you know they were working before like this is there's nothing in no way to take away from them but i think that the drake kind of cosine and verse catapulted that song especially at that time for drake when he was kind of touching things that were outside of his natural purview and that changed the course of the migos because i think there's a lot of southern uh regional rap groups who had hits and stuff like that and the Migos had a really good work rate compared to some of those other ones, but I think that changed their course forever, having Drake featured on that. Absolutely. And I, I think that yes, they would have gotten to that, but like Drake is like the it's like a rocket fuel for your career. Yes. And because like I, I think code. Exactly. And one thing about Migos is you cannot say they haven't put in work. Because look at how much they're putting out. Like, look at, look what their work rate is. Like, it's insane. And I don't think that, like, whether you like them or not, the two things you can't dispute at all, and I'm not the biggest Migos fan, but I respect the way, one, they penetrated pop culture, and two, just the sheer amount of work you put in. If you are an artist trying to do something, you can't help but look at them and be like, these guys were, were doing it and doing what was necessary. They were doing what it takes to fucking get out there. And to be very honest with you, that level of work rate is what, you know, Southern hip hop is based on. And uh, again, it's a thing to be respected. So there's been a conversation online over the past couple of weeks now about the Migos being potentially the most important rap group of the last decade. Where do you think they fall in that conversation? And, you know, where do they fall in the all time kind of rap group conversation? I think I'm like a bad person to answer this question because I'm uh, okay. What is their competition in recent years? Do you think like, what is the argument uh, against them? I mean, I think that is part of like the argument there is that like, who else can you really hold up to it? Because groups aren't that popular right now. Yeah. You know, like do we, in this context, is Griselda a group? And I, I think I guess it's kind of weird because I'm I'm asking the question and then I'm asking a follow up question. But would you consider? No, no, no. This Griselda is group? this is what it's all about. I I I, I think that's a, a a fair question because like this is where you start going down the rabbit hole of like what's a group, what is a you know what is a collective quote unquote, and like is there a difference in hip hop if you consider that like kind of the blueprint for hip hop groups 
is like i mean it depends like in the 80s you know the quintessential hip-hop groups are fucking historically you know run dmc and fucking chuck d and the boys public enemy but then when you start moving to the 90s you get into wu-tang clan where they're a group but it's a collective as well so they're putting out high quality albums uh, as a, as a group, but then when they split off and they unvoltron, you know they release some of the best hip hop albums of all time. You know, with like Liquid Swords and Supreme Clientele and all that shit. So like, it depends, you know, how you're looking at it. I would say, uh, you know, in the last decade, for sure, they're probably one of the best hip hop groups because, or because you know, they again they've been able to penetrate pop culture. I think like there's they're they're the biggest by far. Well, yeah, they like I don't I don't know who the competition is. Yeah, I don't know, like, there, if there's any competition. Yeah. Like, we can say Griselda. I think Griselda is infinitely better, right? Like, I think that it's, like, not even, uh, like, a, a, a discussion in terms of artistry. But that's only part, uh, part of it, right? Like, and that is our objective, sorry, our subjective opinions of that. Um, although, I do think it is fairly objective. So, like, I don't see a lot of competition for them. I also look at Griselda not in the context as I would look at with Migos because... I think Griselda is saying something else about music after the Migos thing, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, Migos' like power, time of power has, like, happened, but now Griselda is more like this, you know, as we talk about this wave of older artists really catching their footing. So, like, I think, yes, in terms of they are a popular, they're the most popular in the last decade, but all time, I mean, even for, I don't think they're the most popular one from the South. Because you have Outcast. What about uh, Ray Shremmerd? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking here. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you think? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, to look at it holistically, like, there's no debate that they're up there and they're one of the best rap groups, you know, numbers-wise, sales-wise. Yeah. You know, also for maintaining the group dynamic over, you know, this many years, uh, you know, they're popping up in commercials. They have all the success. They have all the accolades that come with it. They have the hits to back it up. They have changed the course of music for sure. I think I had a discussion earlier with a friend and, and I was, you know, feeling like the Migos, no doubt, have been innovative, but I don't think they are personally innovators. I think they kind of came to uh, a version of Atlanta that was set up by, you know, people like Gucci Mane, people who are, who are putting in a lot of work and they worked within that and they, you know, um, used the formulas and they found success doing that. And that doesn't, isn't to like besmirch them or say that they didn't do, they didn't earn anything because they did all those things. Absolutely. But I don't, I don't think they're innovative in their sound in any way, which I think limit limits them. And, and okay, let me maybe add an addendum to that. Like, I like when they, you know, work with Pharrell on culture too. I like when they're, you know, playing some different ways and they're like, you know, always trying to do different things, but I don't think that they are revolutionary in, you know, the sounds that they make. And maybe they don't have to be right. Like, they do Southern rap, they do trap rap, and they do it really well. And that is their playing field, and that is their culture, and that is culture. I think three, that's right? I think that's correct. I think that's correct, though. Like, I think that's the best way of looking at it because, like, uh, okay, so like, where are they in hip hop groups? Oh, well, does it even fucking matter? Because they did what they did. That's like the counterpoint to these all these discussions. Although I love these discussions, so like, I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know. 
I also wonder too about the group dynamic in hip hop and you know I think it's easier to do these kind of like loose collectives and maybe collaborate sometimes like you have with like a uh what's the TDE version of it um the Kendrick Schoolboy and Absol and the names escaping me as a group but Black Hippie yeah like Black Hippie where like you know people kind of consider you a group you know quote unquote loosely or you have ASAP which is like you can do a group album, but it's just really a collective of, of solo artists. But to keep the group dynamic intact for a long time is a really hard thing to do. I think it's one of the fundamental weaknesses of rock music from uh, like how it sustains itself. Because if you're because like this like full obligation to the group can raise resentment when you know the more. Um, prolific members, at least in the public eye, leave. Or not leave, just go decide to do another project. There's, like, jealousy, and it becomes, like, an ego thing. I think that it, you gotta, you kinda, if you gotta have a happy medium, because, because, like, if you can get, like, if you have too much, not even necessarily loyalty, but just, like, burnt into the group, then, like, individual artistry doesn't get its thing. Because, I mean, like, you're, art, you're art, working with a group at anything and trying to keep your voice alive in it is difficult. And that causes problems. But sometimes in order for a group to achieve true status, like some rock groups or, and, and like, you know, even like, like outcast back in the day, like there is a, a familiarity allows you guys to be in simpatico with one another. And just like, it, it just makes them, it adds a different element to the music. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like basketball players who play really well together. So do you think that like, you know, based on relationships and people and the human dynamic that like all groups are destined to, to break up and split up. I, I mean, it's not, a it's, I think it's hard for humans in relationships and friendships to stay together for that long. You know what I mean? And if you look at, but then now all of a sudden you're adding business and creative, uh, creative endeavors and everyone's individual life paths in terms of like where they want to live and all this kind of stuff. It's like you have like, so in a group like this, you have like different people with different artistic ideas who maybe want to live in different parts of the country who, you know, and all this kind of stuff and all of that kind of affects chemistry. So I think there is an inevitability for it, especially if you don't like give it a little bit of a, you know a release valve from a pressure standpoint like uh, like it's 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 difficult yeah i th- i think i agree with that like and like you know you look at like daft punk splitting up after years and you know i think of the classic jay-z bar like you know first the, f- the fat boys break up and you know it's just hard to keep that dynamic together keep egos you know from clashing as you know fame and success comes in you have to look and at I the different the time periods kind of cool yeah like the different yeah. time the different Much, time periods yeah, do definitely. this that's sorry that's something i didn't put in there i apologize for interrupting uh like okay so if you're in like if you start a group and you start it in your like teens or in your 20s and it goes into your 30s like uh, like what is the gamut of personality changes and like life priorities that have changed over that course of time and then you have to make sure everything it's aligns completely different right yeah 100 yeah. percent. and like i think you you know this too you know 
operating in group dynamics with, you know, the minor foundry and, you know, working on documentaries and, and, the, and the films. It's like things change. Oh, yeah. Who you are at one point is significantly different than that. And, like, um, I think with the mine refinery, one of the good things is that, like, when we decided to put it together, is that all of us were at least in our late 20s. Like, we met each other when we were younger, but when we decided to go into, you know, with a business endeavor, like, it was we were in our late 20s and we were at least, like, starting to row in a similar direction. But, like, you have to also, like, give people their artistic thing it's it's difficult it, it's really hard like it takes a certain like it takes a lot of give and take to in order to make it happen and i'm just like in the pop music it's like i want my and you know in pop music everything's i want mine so i don't know how much give and take is allowed in that yeah yeah and i i think that you know the family dynamic adds something to this with the migos is because you know they're cousins and uncles and and so forth that that kind of, you know, makes things a little bit different. And you've seen that before, you know, in Motown with actual families and stuff like that. It doesn't change. It doesn't make it completely easier, but it just makes things a little bit different. There's a bond. So, There's a bond. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so get back to the album for a second. What songs, if any, like stood out for you? You know, what did you think about the features on here? I mean, the features are good. I mean, like having our way with Drizzy, fantastic. I mean, obviously, we you know we love Drake on this. Uh, the the song "Straightening" I thought was really great. Uh, I really like Malibu featuring Polo G. Straightening's a great track. Like I really really enjoyed it. And Malibu featuring Polo G. Like we were listening to this. Me me and Samantha were listening to this in the car yesterday. You know, driving to visit family. And I'm like, there is like, there it's it's like with Migos. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of Migos, but there's tracks where I'm like, I'm listening to this. This is dope. But, you know, it's just like, I don't think it's totally, it's just not consistent. That's all. But like, there's some great stuff on this. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to kind of look at the to feature side, you know, we have Cardi B, we have Polo G, Bieber, Juice World, uh, posthumously, uh, Pop Smoke posthumously, Young Boy, NBA Young Boy, who, you know, is one of the biggest acts right now, who I think they work really well with. Yeah, I thought that was good. And then also on the production side, you know, we have DJ Durrell, who I like, who works with Amigos a lot. Murder Beats. And then, you know, Canadian hero Murder Beats uh, all over this. And, you know, they have a really, really good connection. Uh, You know, Murder Beats has gone on to do beats for some of the biggest people in the world. But he really kind of got a start by working with Amigos. and, And that kind of put him in the spotlight. And then he kind of got to Drake, even though he was like, you know based out of Toronto for a while and and now he's in LA but I was really happy to see him you know all over this album uh, a little bit of Zaytoven so I think they did really well in the production side kind of sticking with what they know but you know making that work for them which I think is one of their strengths so would you say at this point the Migos have fallen victim to their own success yes because listen whether you think Versace or Hannah Montana are good tracks they're again objectively effective but like their rise is kind of predicated on like that type of music and that like vibe so like obtaining that kind of fame is great because you know you're ever present in the culture but it's conditioned on the idea that you keep doing that and because pop culture is kind of based on moments like no one is a supplier of endless moments 
if that makes any fucking sense at all. If I'm not too getting too esoteric about it, but no, like well, it, they can't keep doing that over and over again, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, and I and I think that is a really good point, right? And I think that should be highlighted. Nobody can can give you endless moments unless yeah. you're Drake, unless you're Drake, maybe because he has not seemed to slow down on these moments. But even he knows when, like he knows when to let someone else give a moment as well. Like he shares moments. That's one thing that's smart with him is that if you're trying to have all the moments, like you know, what a time to be alive. Like with future, with, with future. Sorry, like. He's share like he's sharing that. That's one thing about him. Like he works like a point guard in this industry, yeah. right? So like he could take the lead, but like he's bringing people in and shares the moments, and that will keep that will keep him alive, um, you know, at, at the forefront of the industry. And I think it's smart, and it is uh, it's very healthy from an ego standpoint. I think obviously he probably has a massive ego. Um, no, no, like any artist to to achieve that level can do that. But he knows that uh, he has to have his. You know, a man must understand his limitations, and I think Drake does. But that's why he's able to keep doing it because he's smart. Yeah, and I think that's you know what's given him this longevity. But I think with Amigos, it's like they have peaked in the culture. They've you know reached all those marks, and I think. At this point, we're seeing the people who picked up on them because they were famous and because they were popular start to kind of turn on them a little bit. They also had this, you know, era when, you know, they were so hyped up. People have been talking about them so long and, you know, people said Offset should go solo or, you know, we need to like start like doing solo tapes for these guys because, you know, they're all stars. Um, and, well, I think, you know, yes, they all are stars. You know, the Quavo solo project didn't do much for me, and I don't think it really is remembered by many people. I think the collaborative albums that they kind of did didn't really do too much for anybody either. Like, his solo album went number two for Quavo, and, you know, I don't think I would... I don't think I could even name a song off the top of my head on there. I'm trying to look at this the list now i don't really remember any songs on there do you remember anything from you know these solo projects that they were doing i don't really like like quavo solo at all yeah i think there's like moments on um father of four by offset that i thought were okay and then i mean he also he did that he did the album um without warning with metro with Boomin 21 savage that one 21 savage yeah. so like yeah, that one i that, that one i, I that, about that, one. that one i like that one i liked so like yeah. of any outside of migo stuff i, I like i think offset is probably i th- in my opinion is does the coolest work I'm not too yeah. into it, but like without warning was good. I mean, you got that one was really good, and him and Metro, and him and Metro Boomin, and then him and Twenty One Savage worked together really well. Yeah. So I thought that was because Twenty One Savage has a very deadpan style that I think can. That's why he does so well in features because uh, his style isn't ex- like everyone else's, and you know I think Offset has a more. I just took a Percocet fucking delivery style in a in a, yeah. in a good way uh it's a little bit more subdued and like you know woozy but i think like that i think that would be clearly and objectively the best migos project outside of migos to be honest yes i i think i agree with you too and i think there was some time talk for a while that you know quavo was the beyonce of the group but i've always kind of preferred offset yeah to to I, quavo I think that's lazy. Quavo's the offset of the fucking group. Like, well, no, no, no. The Beyonce. 
sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. So my, my apologies. My apologies. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think it's kind of lazy to say that fucking, uh, you know, Quavo is the Beyonce of the group. I think you're looking for the fucking Beyonce of the group, whatever. But like, it's it's a little bit of a different thing. Pop stardom and hip hop stardom are a bit different. Like, even in Wu Tang Clan, like, Inspector Deck isn't as high profile as everyone else, but he put out some, he puts out some good shit. You know what I mean? Like, so you can you can get up members who aren't more prominent releasing some high quality fucking shit. Like, I still, yeah. I, 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 and I think Offset's a great example of that because I think his stuff is the better. Is Method Man the Beyonce of Wu Tang Clan? Ooh, it's hard to say who the Method Man. It's you. Can, I don't think you can label Wu Tang Clan like that just because, like, okay, Supreme Clientele. You got to pick. pick. That's that's it. It's it's, no. a, it's a hard no, choice. You got to pick think, one. Who is uh, it? Is okay, the Beyonce the Ghostface? No, because no, is it you can't. One? Do, you can't definitely not Raekwon. You gotta pick one. Okay, it would be Method it's Man. It's not Raekwon? It would be Method Man because Method Man's Method Man's at least cheese, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. coming at like at least he's in he's in he is, fucking he is the, cheese in the wire. That's exactly he's cheese in the wire. So like he's he's out there, he's doing his little he's doing his gangster Austin Power style shit like Beyonce. But I think like when you get into that, it's like with Wu Tang Clan, it's like uh Liquid Swords, one of the best hip hop albums of all time. Supreme Clientele, one of the best hip hop albums of all time, uh Cuban Links, one of the best hip hop albums of all time. T. Cal, what right up there too? So it's like they're all. It's like you have four Beyonces in that group, and then Capadonna doing whatever. I think, I think whatever Method the Man fuck. had the the weakest solo projects in that group, though. He only has really one good one, and I'll fucking argue anybody. It's T. Cal, T. Cal, and then T. his Cal. stuff. Yeah, and then his shit with Red, and then like Blackout with like Red Man is good, but he's with yeah, Red I mean, Man. Method Man and Red Man are, are a great hip hop group, great yeah. hip hop duo. So Method Man solo stuff, I'm just like, uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's like it's like T. We, we can argue about T. Cal. I listen. Tcal's good, but it falls right off. And also, it's not up there. It's not like I'm not putting it near. Like I'm not even putting it near like fish scale. You know what I mean? Fucking yeah. By uh, which like it's not, is one it's not my... holding a candle to built for Cuban links or no, no, no. no. It's not even. Too. No, those are three of those are uh, among the be- like uh, best hip hop albums of all time. They're in the top twenty, right? And I don't think you can really argue about those because they're just. So well done with some of the best rappers of all time and one of the best producers of all time. Okay, Beastie Boys, who's the Beyonce? You're giving these whack compare. I'm like, how do I even? Uh, you got to pick. Uh, this is taking way too long. Adam Yanch, Adam Yanch, MCA. Adam Yanch, okay. MC, we could do MCA, yeah, fucking MC. I don't even know how you can do that with the Beastie Boys. They bring like the like they like I couldn't even imagine any of them doing solo stuff. All right, uh, Run DMC. Who's the Beyonce? Oh, it's fucking Run. Okay, Reverend Run. NWA. Who is the Beyonce? Oh well, that's fucking. And that's what's this fucking Ice Cube? Yeah, I, 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 can't, it's, not, it's not Dr. Dre. No, because Dre's a like Dre's the producer. Yeah. Dre's not okay. right. Like Dre's not like. This is the thing. It's like all the, you're giving these. Like oh, who's the all right, next one? Who's, Public who's, Enemy. Who's the Beyonce? That's fucking Chuck D. But again, none of these people are releasing solo stuff. All right, all right, Ghetto Boys, Beyonce. I'm not even answering that question. Ghetto what? Boys, it's clearly, Beyonce. It's clearly Scarface. Okay, it's Scarface. I don't listen to Scarface that much. I'm not saying you he's bad. You like Scarface? I like, oh. listen, Scarface is good. I'm not, it's not like he's not good, but like, if I'm like, if you want to get into a serious Scarface conversation, need, I'm probably not You need to listen guy. to The Fix. We're, next podcast, we're, we're, we're doing The Fix. We're going to do a Fix podcast, because that's okay. one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever. It's fucking good. I'm, I'm just like, not getting into the, like, I'm getting uh, into Go, I can get into. It's too, you're too lukewarm on this. There's, there's no reason to be lukewarm on Scarface. Okay. 
Fair enough. Let's let's move into something else now. Let's uh let's talk about Southern stalwart Gucci Mane and his new album Ice Daddy. What did you think of this album? I, uh, personally, I think I feel like much like Young Thug Slime Season Two, Gucci Mane has used this album not for himself but to do a coming out party for the new iteration of Ten Seventeen. Is that a question? That is a statement. <laughs> but what did you think of the album? What did you, did you like it? You know? I liked it better than the Migos album. Better than the Migos album? Okay. I don't know. Like I don't like I like I'm I mean, not. I, I'm with you. I, I agree. I agree. Sorry, I didn't mean to phrase it like that. Yes, I agree. Like I like I I, I, I think, but it, it fell victim to the same issues that Slime Season Two fell to. It's like a coming out party for so? a label. I yeah. like I don't know. Like I think Slime Season Two was a little bit worse because it was like it like. Fucking I think young young thug completely gets lost. Just, it's just like it's not it's not it's a young too, thug album. Exactly, I think I, think I kind much. of I'm I'm drawing bad parameters on that. That is a, a YSL album, but I think you know Gucci Mane has used this album in that same way. We'll put it this way: there's good just Gucci Mane tracks on it. So I yeah. like. I like I like it much better than Slime Season, to be honest. Yeah, but like I think it's it, also shorter and it's 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 more con- that's concise, which, which than, is, than which, slime is sm- which is smarter. Slime Season is just yeah. all over the place, right? Whereas this, like, if there is a like a direction, and he gets his, you know, he gets his time, and there's some fe- cool features on it too. Like I, I like them. E forty, tell me you don't. I think you, like I think the features on this album were really really cool. I think yeah. you know. There's some really good directions on this album, you know. The Sir Mix a Lot on Posse on Bouldercrest really, really stood out to me. I love that song. The production sounds really cool. It sounds like you know '80s. It's dated. It's perfect. You know, we got Project Pat. We got E40. Two Chains is on here. Young Dolph. Like, I think this is a really, it's a really good project to me. Though I kind of, it doesn't really feel that much like a Gucci Mane album because he's doing all the features and stuff and introducing other people. So I think that's my only criticism of the album. Yeah, like uh, like I, there there is some fucking cool tracks on it. Um, the opener, Poppin', it's a great opening track. Uh, Posse on Bouldercrest, I enjoyed that. Um, the Two Chains feature, my favorite track is probably the E40 feature with uh, uh, Never Running Out of Money. Like Bust Down is, I'm pretty sure, just a straight up Gucci Mane, and that's good. Like there's some, there's some, there's some stuff here. Some stuff. I'm not the biggest Gucci Mane fan, but there is some fucking stuff here. Well, on this podcast, I'm the resident Gucci Mane fan, a big fan, a long time Gucci Mane fan, and I think it's really interesting too because I don't think Gucci Mane's somebody you you could look at like a lot of other artists because he doesn't really have a discography that matches his presence and his legacy. I think that's a good point. It's like in the mixtape realm. Yeah, so it's it's so far out of the periphery of, you know, DSPs. Even when he does, like, you know, Trap House Classics and has, like, some of his big hits on there. You know, I think back to the battle on Versus with Jeezy and what that kind of meant for the culture. It was good. And... Like, he has a huge legacy, and he's, you know, really ushered in Atlanta as we know it. He's collaborated with so many different people, you know, brought up so many different producers, given room to people, has songs with Bruno Mars, but also has songs with, like, (laughs) you know, the most street artists that you've probably never heard of, your mom wouldn't know. So I wonder, like, you know, this album, I think, 
is kind of influenced by that mixtape legacy. And I feel he's very unselfish kind of on it in sharing space, but also you know, making an album out of it. I think that's, I think that's good. Like, like it's, I mean, I think like, obviously again, we always talk about what the fuck is a mixtape anymore, but I think one of the benefits to like keeping this idea of the mixtape, I think kind of where it comes from is this idea of like traditionally a mixtape. It's something a little bit more closer to the streets and from like a more of an underground like in its classical connotation and i think that like it al- like when you're framing it as that it like allows you to keep a certain aesthetic with it like i can't remember has he put bruno mars out on a mixtape no i mean it, well it came out i think it's on trap god classic so it's like, it like the dsp equivalent to his mixtape kind of run yeah but yeah like he's he's just someone who's hard to catalog and i think that like i just wonder as like a you know gen z or whatever like how you kind of look at someone like gucci Mane and understand them if you're not kind of in the mixtape space or you don't have anyone to explain it to you like is it easy to kind of understand like why he's so relevant and why he has such a big impact on rap music and specifically alana but also you know artists like chief keef and you know is in some in my mind some way a godfather of drill even i think you know there's some kind of ties there i think he's a give like he's he's he like he's a giver in this culture you know what i mean like he gives back to it like it has done a lot for him obviously but like like you said he's unselfish and any of like any of the things like my lukewarm uh appreciations catalog from just an overall sense is purely aesthetic but in terms of or like what you know it's just a a preference thing obviously i'm more firmly into the boom bap style but like i believe that like if you're looking at what he's like again this he's a point guard there are certain rappers who are point guards who they distribute the ball. They have no problem with other people sharing in uh, the thing, and they and they understand that that makes them to an extent an empresario, and that makes them that makes them transcend just you know scenes and their own music. And I think Gucci Mane puts in work again. He puts in the work. He 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 brings other people along. You know he he keeps people you know, that are more affiliated uh, with a street vibe close to him that, again, your mom has never heard of, but, like, is willing to work with highly mainstream artists. And I think that that is an openness that will always serve people well, but not openness in a way like DJ Khaled, where it's, like, just superficial and lame. But, you know, he keeps that Atlanta roots at the same time. So it's hard again not to appreciate Gucci Mane and what he does uh, regardless of you know what your uh, sonic stripes are from a preference standpoint yeah and i think that like you know to do this album like there's not i don't think Gucci Mane needs to do this album really but i think he does it you know out of love for the culture out of you know being plugged in like we're seeing Pooh Shiesty really like shoot up the charts and become a new voice in the streets, you know, a new Memphis act that is, you know, really moving the needle. So I think that like, you know, you can look back and see the countless people that Gucci Mane has kind of tapped or, you know, worked with early in their careers or, you know, featured. um, And they are all super active in music right now. So I think that, you know, to have this legacy that long and to be, you know, responsible for this many acts, 
there's really something to say there. And I think that, you know, history is going to be looking at Gucci Mane as a father figure in music and someone who's really moved the needle in a, in a major way. That's going to keep you relevant. Forever. That shit will keep you relevant. You help other people too, that's going to keep you relevant. It's smart. And I think it's in line, like, if you watch his interviews with him, like, that is a major theme that he's always talking about. Who is coming along? How are we ma- making this going? Who? Uh, how am I getting other people paid? You know, and it seems to come from a smart business sense, but also some altruism as well. Well, yeah. I think, you know, when we're talking about, you know, artists who've been around a long time, I kind of want to shift back home to Toronto and talk about Tona's album, Good Energy. So Toronto veteran Tona delivers his new album, And I think in a more together city, Tona would be more venerated as an MC, as a spitter, and as a legend. So where do you think he stands in this Toronto kind of music generation as of now? I mean, he is like, uh, he is an OG. And like, for me, he's one of the greats of this city. Like, and I'm firm, I'm a firm believer of that, regardless of what people think. Um, The work is dope, dope as fuck. The man raps, albums sound great. And I think... Like if you said it was a more together city, his standing is different. And I think he's more prevalent in the overall industry as well. Toronto, unfortunately, at this moment, is the city of best kept secrets. And these secrets need to come out. And I, I, I think I, I think it's a, like the question contains a good point about that. Uh, again, one of the OGs, absolutely fantastic. Like any, like July 26th, I loved. Just really good stuff. Like that's kind of where I am with him. So, you know, he's pops up on... No Mercy, which we talked about earlier this year. Great album. If you ever heard the No Frills mixtape, I believe his voice is on there. And he's kind of been around for, you know, a while now. Where do you think that kind of, like, lands him? And, you know, what else would you want to see from him to kind of, like, really feel him out or where he's at? I mean, I especially with this album, I kind of want to see a little bit more on the features front just in terms of, like, who else he is bringing in. Because I think, like, anytime you get an opportunity to do that from a Toronto hip-hop standpoint, you should, because I think that's, like, other scenes have, like, done that. Like, there's some, like, the the the, the Brazzy Roberts stuff on this, like, obviously is good. But, you know, I just kind of want to see more of that. But, like, I think part of it, too, is that he can put out music at... He puts out great music and, you know, featuring himself and... Uh, like I think that's the big thing. It's like who else are we bringing in? Are we bringing out bringing in some of the more like younger generation and that kind of thing? So, what did you think of this album? What were some of your favorite songs on here? Okay, I really really enjoyed it. Genesis, Good Energy, Ways, Lifts, Vibes with uh, the aforementioned Brazzy Roberts. Uh, Kill Switch was probably my favorite uh, on this. Uh, common ground like there's a lot of really good stuff on this is an album you can put on and listen to from start to finish and that's fucking hard to do and then this is exactly why i kind of say toronto is the is the city of best kept secrets because we keep you know part of what we do is to talk about how good and big up this scene and, and feature artists on it and their albums that are really 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 fucking good and you know he's one of them it's hard it's hard for any artist to put out an album that's like from start to finish good and he's able to do that and i think he's done that with his last two albums so 
What did you think about the production and some of the themes on this album? Like, I'm hearing a lot about, you know, the uprisings. There's some clips in here. You know, we have The Count producing, I believe, he produced Good Energy. What did you think about kind of that part of the album? It's really good because <clears throat> the albums, like, like, the songs flow really well into one another. So you have a song like Good Energy, which is more like hitting you hard on the bass front, and then something like Kill Switch, which is a little bit more smooth and buttery, and and, and you feel it, and it's like you should be listening to it at night. But they all seamlessly work with each other. They work really well, and it, it's just very well ro- um, woven in terms of incorporating different styles and different influences, and just from a thematic standpoint as well, you know, really talking about you know, again, the black experience, black excellence, and what he's using his platform to talk about, you know, he mentions directly that it's about, you know, talking about some of these issues that have come to the forefront, and, you know, anytime an artist is using their, is using their platform to do that, that's fucking awesome, and then it's even more impactful when it's being woven into such quality. Yeah, and I I think that's, you know, something important here, and I think that this is a really good album that to highlight, you know, kind of what we've seen over the past year. And I think that, you know, we're getting touches of that on a lot of people's albums, but to hear it from a veteran presence and, you know, you can really tell he's wrestling with different thoughts throughout it, but thematically there's like a consistent thorough line on here. How did you think this album compared to his last album, um, July 26th last year? I like this more with the exception of Money, uh, which has the really cool Bishop Brigante uh, feature on it. So, and, but July 26th is good. I just, I just kind of, I think this is more, I think it's uh, July 26th is maybe a little bit more, I'm not going to go as far as saying experimental, but it's like, this is very tight and concise, but I think maybe July 26th takes a little bit more like risk sonically, but I like it. I think he, there is, the guy puts out good stuff. Like, that's just the thing with with the music. So I like it better than July 26th, but I do enjoy me some July 26th. Yes. Which were a date which we're rapidly running up on. Um, yes. Here. So how do you think an artist like Tona, you know, despite Toronto's kind of scene and the way that, you know, things are now, how do you think he makes a bigger impact and a bigger splash with an album of this quality, like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm just not seeing this album talked about enough and maybe it is, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I'm not reading the right outlets or headlines, but I feel like this album should be really talked about and really venerated and really enjoyed by the masses. Well, I don't think there's a lot of outlets in general, to be honest. Like there's some, but like, I don't know. Like if you disagree, let me know with that. But, um, uh, visibility, you know, I, I think, you know, visibility and champions in other spots is really what it's all about. I mean, this is a high quality album, full stop. Part of what we do on this show is try to show you the, you know, you, the listener, that there is an immense quality that comes out of the city. Um, there's a concerted group of artists making music that is just as good, if not better than what's happening anywhere else. And Toronto artists have been validated and reached the stratosphere. We have seen it. It has happened. It can be done. Uh, we have seen what is possible. We just need to get everyone else there because the ratio of that happening to how much talent there is, isn't equal so tona is fucking incredible uh he's still making great music still using his platform still bringing other talent around 
as well. But like, I think it comes from all of us. Like, it has to be more visible in the city, and there has to be more of a like a unified, concerted effort to get you know people out there, and you know, and, and it has to drip into other cities and. Like, it has to happen to artists who aren't signed to OVO, and that's never any beef against OVO or anything like that. It's just they are the most visible by a long shot because they're one of the most visible, like, because of Drake in the world. So there's a lot of really great stuff, and I think it comes from a combination of what, you know, of supporting Toronto music, publications supporting Toronto music and talking about the albums, and... You know, I mean, this is kind of what we try to do as well, you know, with, with with the platform we've created for ourselves. But I think, you know, it's it's a unified situation. So on our patented cock rating system, where are you putting this album? This is an eight. It was really good. I think there's, uh, you know, a little room to maybe be a little bit more sonic, sonically adventurous, but I really enjoy it. I've, I've had a good time with it and I'm definitely, I mean, I listen to Tona. So uh, this is going to be staying with me. Yeah. And I think I'm going to, Join you up there. I have it in an 8.5. Um, I think this is a really good album by a veteran. And I think that people should really take heed and appreciate the quality that we're getting here because this is a, an important act to the city. And, and I really would like to see, you know, this get up for a Juno next year. I, I think this is a Juno award winning album. I think there should be a prison prize for it. I really think that there, you know, needs to be more respect given and more accolades given to music of music of this quality from the city i do think we're going to be talking about this at the end of the year i think so as well i guess let's let's keep it local i want to move next to young clancy's something something tape so the toronto-based artist and producer is joining forces with a bunch of local buzzing acts to bring together this tape what did you think of it oh i like this i fucking enjoyed like i love young clancy i love like just the sound and like I, like for me I'm I, like I'm into bars I'm into you know that kind of stuff but like for me it, it kind of starts from a sonic standpoint and I really really enjoyed it and there were some really great features on it I mean DJ SB and Claremont uh, they were happy surprises and I think it's pretty obvious at this point that we loved both of their albums uh, Claremont's and DJ and DJ's and like it was really great to kind of to kind of see that, and then there was some you know like the Matthew Progress, um, you know, on it was fantastic. Like it was just a really really kind of great album. Yeah, I really think this was you know important, and I think it really shows his breadth of talent, but also you know he's keeping an ear to the street. You know he's inspired clearly by Dilla and some you know other producers, but he has you know. Chris LaRocca, Claremont II, Deja, Matthew Progress, um, you know, Daniela Andrade, some acts I, I don't not the act familiar with, but I really think that this is really cool. And this is the kind of stuff that I really want to see highlighted in Toronto because he's giving you a mix of rappers, singers, producers, you know, kind of Adrian Adrian Days on here. There's a really good cross-section of the city highlighted here and i really love that and this is what i want to see more of and i think this is how you build a cohesive scene because you can point to projects like this and be like hey this is a time capsule of what toronto was sounding like at this time yes and i think that um the beats and like from a sonic standpoint too like it's in aligned with what's going on in the overall industry as well so you know like you could see something like this having you know 
cultural penetration if it, it was able to get uh you know into the into the right ears and i think that you're totally right it's stuff like this like cities like atlanta do this shit have people who do this you know what i mean they get people out there um and i think that this is a good blueprint for for getting it out there because it's like very sonically cohesive but then it's just all these artists painting this like really great stuff over it and I, yeah like i was like my my favorite track on it's probably parable 3 uh the matthew progress one it's really that, fucking that was really excellent. it's really fucking good i loved uh deja's uh track claremont's obviously like this is like this is really good stuff i do believe at the end of the year we'll be talking about this one as well and i'm almost like how do we get how do we how does how you know how do we work with young Clancy? Just because I feel like the, like it's it's and uh, I haven't won the show because this is um this is really great stuff. I would really love like to watch like a making of you know or a little featurette on this tape because like I like that he has you know death with Claremont, but he also has Adrian Day, you which know, who's is great. Kind of bit, yeah, it, and like Saucy was an excellent track, and like you know you get a little bit of some trap influence in there and in Adrian day, but it's also still like really well produced um, on the musical side. There's like just so much going on here and it's a really good highlighting of the scene. And that's what I really made me draw drawn to us. So, you know, if he was going to follow us up, who would you like to see? Are there voices that you'd like to see on, on another inclination of this project? I think that, um, and it probably didn't happen just because of a management standpoint from the artist. I'd love to see Terrell Morris. Um, yeah, I think like Troll would be would be great with him. Yeah, Tennessee. because like, I think we've uh, we've 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 talked with him before, I believe. Yeah, I think that um, I, I honestly do believe that Terrell Morris would, Terrell would be fucking great on this uh, something like this, just because he's I, I I one thing I like about Terrell is that he's able to like kind of weave stylistically. You know, I, I, I to be very honest with you, I, I think it's it's pretty good. Like, part of me was like, do I want to see some. OGs, oh, but then I'm almost like you're you're trying to push more of a newer situation, and that's no beef to any of the you know of the OGs uh, you know in, in the Toronto hip hop scene. It's just you know you're trying to also get new people out there, but at the same time, some of these like it just like Tona, they're it's the, it's the best kept secret situation. So it's almost like to the world, they would be newer artists. So it's like, maybe they should. And like, that's kind of how I'm thinking, like thinking of it. And I love that he's using the whole idea of the playlist situation and the tape. Like this for me is the best use of it. Yeah. I like, you know, I think I would love to hear Tona, you know, somewhere on here as well. I think, you know, Tamir, who we just interviewed would be great on here. Tamir would be great. Tamir would be fucking like that. That's who would be really fucking great on it. Even some of the guys from like No Tourists, I think, you know, could kind of work well in this style. And then like Looney Moonchild from Scarborough, I think would be great. She just put out a great EP. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. Like, I think this is really, really excellent curation and that's a really great album. And I think if we are going to rate it on my cog scale, I'd probably put this up there at like nine. I think this is a, a really excellent project. I have this as a nine. I love it from start to finish. Even the interludes are like these like little sonic breaths that are fantastic. And like this, I can already tell is definitely going to be on like up there because it's like, it's really good. It's what the group needs and uh, sorry, it's what the, the city needs. And I'd like to see more of this, you know, happen. And uh, it's just really, really great stuff. Well, Kyle, on that note, 
I hear some honking outside. I believe Portugal is about to start playing a match, so I should leave you before. Um, we're not gonna get any clean. Reco- we're not gonna have any clean yeah. recordings at this point. Yeah, we're not. We're not gonna be able to record the rest. Uh, but we should get together soon. We have much more music to talk about. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, Kyle. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's chat soon. There's a lot of music that came out. We need to talk about. Yeah, but I should run before the the honking starts. All right, see you guys. All right, see you guys.